to the Orient Outlook podcast with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and my good friend, South Stand Chum. The bearded legend is back, the daddy-o, Mr. Paul Lever. Here I am. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is episode number 156. We are smashing through the hundreds here. As you'll have noticed, I haven't been on the podcast as regularly this season, owing to the fact that I now have a 12-week-old baby. 12 feel, weeks today. Feel, <laughs> yeah. um, people still can't believe I got away with that name. Maybe can I? I'll explain it to you um, after, <laughs> uh, Michael. So I have to say well done to you, Steve, for, um, for persisting with recording the podcast. Ably assisted uh, by Adam, uh, Adam Conway, who's done extremely well, yeah. and Matt, who also uh, has a cameo as well. So you guys have been excellent. Well done. Thank you very much. Um, now... On this week's show, we've got a very, very special guest, a man that we interviewed a couple of years ago, but making his podcast co-hosting debut, isn't an Orient fan by birth, but certainly part of the Orient family. We're really, really delighted to welcome the writer of The Greater Gameplay, Michael Head. Well, thank you for having me down. Welcome, me welcome down. on board. So, Michael, it's been uh, two years <coughs> since you were last on the podcast. If you want to just introduce yourself to the Orient fans. Yeah, yeah, Michael Head, um, the writer of The Greater Game, uh, obviously I adapted uh, Steve Jenkins' book. They took the lead. Um, yeah, it's been a been a roller coaster. I've been sort of involved with Orient for a few years now because it took quite a while from me reading the book, putting it onto stage plan, and actually getting the production done. Um, and yeah, I, I, but the, both the productions actually came around very quickly. I think the first one because it was sponsored by the Royal British Legion. It's such a it's such a big cast, and it's such an expensive production. Um, just to give you an idea, I did a play called Worth a Flutter at the Hope. Um, you know, we had good cast: Paul Dan, Lucy Pinder, Jack Harding, who's being used again in this, and Claire McNamara. And it cost me about three grand. The Greater Game cost sixty-seven grand. So oh, that's well. you know. So without sponsorship, we'd have no chance. And me, Stephen, Peter were like, "It's not going to happen." You know, it's, it's not going to happen. And the Royal Rich Legion went, "Oh yeah, we're, we're sponsor you, but it's got to go out in twelve weeks, which is." Mental, you know, the last show took six months planning. This had 12 weeks from getting the budget to opening night. And this time it's come about quick again. I, I, I didn't think the play would ever see the light of day. Um, I sort of given up on it. Just not any other reason other than I haven't, can't afford to do it. And then the director who I worked with, Adam Morley, said to me, look, I've worked with him, he hired me as an actor for a, for a few different, well, adult panto of all things. <laughs> um, I was, uh, I'm not really sure, Widow, a play on Widow Twanky, which I guess your, your listeners can guess what the play was, <laughs> in Aladdin Lee. Um, oh, wow. And uh, yeah, he read me, you know, I did a lot of comedy stuff with him, and he read me, I said, I've got this few plays now, he read it, and just come into me and went, look, it's brilliant, I want to direct it. I'm like, okay. I will see what we can do. I mentioned it to Stephen Peter. And then, again, where's the money coming from? You know, how, how we can possibly fund this? And then uh, we got an email from the PFA who said we'd, we'd like to sponsor you again. And then all of a sudden the FA, the Premier League, and the English Football League all went, yeah, we want to be a part of this. And we, we become part of football remembers. So, again, overnight it all become a reality. And to have these people involved in the story is just amazing, just absolutely amazing. So how did the story originally kind of fall into your lap? Well, I've got to be honest, I, I, I never knew anything about Leighton Orient, um, from, from, you know, from being, I'm probably going to get booed here, but yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, didn't, didn't know, and I remember when Leeds United got, I'm a big, massive Leeds fan, when we got relegated, yeah, I know. <laughs> I remember when we got our League One fixtures, I went into my stepdad, who's a Leeds fan, reason I support mine. 
I don't believe it. So I don't even know where half of these places are. You know, like Hereford, Boston. I, mean, I, I couldn't point them to you on a map. And one of them was Leighton Orient. For some reason, my brain didn't make Leighton Stowe connection. I just didn't have a clue. And then when we played Leighton Orient and we drew, I went, oh, we, went, oh, we could have gone to that. It was only in East London. And then I tweaked courses, you know. Yeah. And that was all I knew about Orient. And then um, I was watching a, a Sky Sports News, waiting for the football results to come in. And we lost, actually. Leeds got beat that day. <laughs> And I watched this story about a, a club from London that sent all their men to war. And there was a picture of Steve um, playing the bugle and they mentioned um, the three footballers who died. And I just remember thinking that's an amazing story. And as a Londoner who loves football, I thought, I've got, I've got to be a part of that. You know, I want to want to see. So I rang Leighton Orient up and they went, oh, you need to speak to Steve Jenkins. And I put the phone down. I went, I'm never going to hear from him, am I? I thought, that's not... Yeah, all right. Yeah, it's done. Mm. Yeah, no, we'll pass it on. Ain't going to be passed on. Ten minutes later, Steve's on the phone. And, uh, you know, he's so passionate about it, isn't he? So he's, yeah. I was on the phone to him for about 45 minutes. And what are you doing this Saturday? I went, oh, nothing. He went, come to Orient. And it was when you beat Sheffield uh, Sheffield Wednesday, 4-0. Mm. I think it was Harry Kane's first Harry ever. Kane, yeah. absolutely right, spot on. Wow. And, uh, yeah. wow. He invited me down to the club. And I just, uh, you know, God's honest truth, just fell in love with the club instantly. Um... It's just a proper, proper... I mean, I'd see the hashtags, and it? Is it, is it real real football in London? Yeah. Um, and it's a family club, it's a proper club, it's what football is about. And I just fell in love with it. And then I walked around the supporters club, you see Son Corner, and I remember walking in and seeing, like, Sheffield Wednesday fans in their shirts in the supporters yeah. club. And I, although I'm from Le- like a Leeds fan, I'm from Millwall. And that don't happen at Millwall. You don't wear your colours at Millwall, no, no. you know. Even even as a Leeds fan, I hide it with my Bermondsey Millwall accent. Um, and I just couldn't believe it. And then, since then, and the football, that was a great game as well, weren't it? It's um, quite a good game uh, to start your yeah. Orient career off with, yeah. Uh, and it's amazing how, I've always said, it doesn't matter what level you're at, you always have a hero. And that day, uh, Revel, Alex Revel. Alex Revel, yeah. I, I was just like, he's my hero, he's my hero. He was just... Brilliant. God, he killed us a couple of years before. I was going to say, I'm sorry about that. And I'll see him quite often. And I just always thought he was, you know... Good player. And, and obviously Cox, uh, you know, was, yeah, he, he, was, he was an obvious... Yeah. Um, although I've seen him terrorise Millwall for Brighton. I think that was 3 up at half-time. And then Brighton come out and put four passes in the second half and Cox was behind every game. <laughs> right. So he was already on my radar. But, um, yeah, I just fell in love with the club and, like I said, I've been going ever since. Um, I've been a bit of a lucky child. I've only ever seen you lose once. So, uh, yeah, that's sort of how I got involved and how I've, you know, become sort of a, 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 a passive Leighton Orient fan, you know. So, and so second, second club. club. Yeah, 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 definitely. So you, you go there, you speak to Steve. So how does going from speaking to Steve to actually doing the play in Southwick where it was last time, how does that transpire? Um, I, yeah, I met Steve, he gave me the book, and I said, look, I went, I'll do two things. One, I want to make it funny, because I want people to enjoy it. It's too gloomy. Yeah. So that's the first thing I'm going to do. And secondly, I went, I'm going to keep it as true to the book as possible. I went, I'm not going to take it away from Orient. I'm not going to take it away from the facts. If we're going to do it, it's going to almost be a tribute. Um, and he said, that's the one thing he said. He went, the one thing I'd want you to do is keep it as it was. Um, I gave it to a director who I'd worked with called Tilly Vosborough, who um, is wonderful. She taught me at LSMT, lovely lady, really good director, amazing actress. And she 
got a few actors involved like Danny Mays who obviously is an Orient fan mm-hmm. um, Neil Dudgeon mm-hmm. um, Tom Brooks Sam, Sam Edward Cook so these real big hitters yeah. of, of the acting world and people in the audience including like people like Kathy Burke and we've done this reading and loads of people that I sent the play to and pretended to read it and didn't like it come to the reading not because it was late in Orient not because of the story they come to see Danny Mays and all of a sudden they went oh actually this is quite a good place quite a good story and there was a lot of interest and a few, you know, potential people looking to put it in the West End and things like that. And, um, and Matt Porter was one of the ones who'd come down. There was real interest from the club as well when the club was, was obviously with uh, Matchroom. And uh, it was sort of things that bubbled away. It never quite happened. It never quite got there. And then that's when the British Legion said, OK, we, you know, we've got the... We want to sponsor this. You're going to be part of Football Remembers and, uh, uh, you know the original combination yeah. of that for them and then I was couldn't get a venue because it was so late in the day and I remember I was out watching a show with the director Tilly Vosborough and my wife ran up and said yeah. Playhouse have accepted us I won't tell you exactly what I said fantastic <laughs> <laughs> yeah, show yeah 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 it was along the lines of um, pull the other one it's got bells on and it was true and then that was it that was sort of so it was although it was sort of a four year slog it was one of them ones that always bubbled and never quite happened. And then all of a sudden, overnight, four or five things fell into place. And then 12 weeks later, we've got a show that was seen by 4,000 people. You know, we had Chelsea pensions in the audience, tickets for troops, people that actually served, um, the families of, the, of, the, of the, the people on stage, you know, the characters, um, people from the club, uh, the amount of fans. And, and it just becomes so real so quickly. And it just meant an awful lot. And it, it was... It's a bizarre situation to be in where you've got people saying, that's my great-granddad's story. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that to life. Or you've got someone saying, I lost my son in Afghanistan. Thank you for, you know, you've, 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 you've sort of brought him back to life for, for a while. And we had a Chelsea pensioner crying his eyes out. And at the end, he shouted out, that was effing brilliant. Mm-hmm. And he was in tears. And, he, you know, and for a play to touch that many people... It's a special story, you know, so it's, it, it's, it was an absolute delight to do. But I thought it was a one-off. I didn't think we'd get another chance. Well, we're going to talk about the uh, impending uh, story uh, <laughs> later uh, in, in the show. Um, but for the meantime, thank you very much indeed. That's really cool. Yeah, it's a good little stoppage point. Yeah. It's yeah. nasty to the end of the show. So to start off with then, support with club updates, as always, and not one. Not two, but three trips to tell you about. So firstly, on Saturday, the 24th of October, coaches to Maidstone in the fourth qualifying round of the FA Cup lead the Supporters Club at 11.30am for the 3pm kickoff. The fare for this one, £20 flat fare for all categories. Absolute bargain. And secondly, coaches to Eastleigh on Tuesday, the 30th of October, lead the Supporters Club at half past three in the afternoon. This is for a 7.45 kickoff. Prices for this one, £23 for adults and £20 for concessions. And then finally, the following Saturday, 3rd of November, we travel to AFC Fylde and coaches for this one leave early doors at 8am for a 3pm kickoff. First for this one, a £34 for adults and £31 for concessions. For all these trips, children 15 and under can travel half price but must be accompanied by an adult. And please note there is a £3 surcharge for non-members and these prices do not, and I repeat, do not include your matchday tickets. So get your tickets before or make sure you can buy it on the turnstiles and to book for these trips... You can book in the Supports Club on match days or on the travel line, which is 07722 135 <coughs> 97.
Zero. Just about. Well done, just made as you are recovering from flu. Well done with that. No trust update uh, this week, but just to mention that uh, our chairman's book, The Challenge Culture, is now available in all good bookstores. As Nigel Travis writes about his career at large and successful organisations and talks about how the best way for organisations to, to succeed in today's environment is to embrace challenge and encourage pushback. He covers the worlds of video, quick service restaurants and the purchase of Lake Norium, peppered with many humorous events that have a throughout his career and you can buy the book uh, on Amazon uh, or your uh, favourite local bookshop so one more time The Challenge Culture by Nigel Travis is out now so go get yourself a copy of that and dare I say if Nigel's over when the plays are on in pretty much expecting to be there I think Kent's already confirmed attendance for the final night yes yes yeah Kent's coming down Um, I saw a great tweet about Nigel midweek something along the lines of he was told he's an average student yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, my reply was, you know, the teacher was either wrong or his classmates was Bill Gates and Jesus. Yeah. I think, you know. <laughs> so yeah, always inspiring to see people get written off and then I mean he ain't done too bad for himself. He's done it? very He's, well. You know, Absolutely. Not I wish I was well. average. So <laughs> yeah. one bit of A B to say about well done to Rebecca Linnell, who was the winner of the Carol Langley Flores Twitter competition. And therefore, she has won a £50 bouquet of flowers. So, well done, Rebecca. Well done, Carol Landy Flores, for that competition. I think quite a few entries. And well done. Yeah, very good indeed. So, moving on then to the week that was. So, course of Monday, the 8th of October at lunchtime, the draw for the fourth qualifying round of the FA Cup was made. And we got the glamour tie of Maidstone away, which we played on the weekend of the 20th and 21st of October, which, as we record today, is actually next weekend. I think it's... No one said any difference. It'll be Saturday the 20th, 3 o'clock kickoff. Yep, later in the afternoon, the club announced that thanks to shirt sponsor Dream Team, the first 1,500 supporters through the doors on Saturday against Hartlepool will receive a drinks voucher for a free bottle of Heineken or a soft drink. And the offer was open to both O's and Hartlepool fans. So, got to say, great work from the club. Really engaging, getting those people in, along with the football for a fiver as well. Really good Good timing, yeah. Good really timing, good not a non-league day when there wasn't Championship or Premier League to get down to a lower league club and encouraging people to get in. You pay a fiver to get in. You can, if you're early enough, you get a free bottle of beer yeah. or, a, or a soft drink. So it's literally cost you five quid just to go and watch a game of football. Uh, how many? You think how many people would that be there? Possibly their first game. You know, maybe so, taking their seven-year-old down and what a chance to make someone again fall in love with a club. And that's how lifelong supporters begin, and that's yeah. what clubs need. And that's yeah. you know, no disrespect to Orient, but you need your your families to to bring the next generation through. That's right. I just thought it was brilliant. I really, I was glad. Like I said I had a ticket for the game, and I, I went away from my daughter's birthday, so I had to sell it. Which the good news was, it was a really easy sell. <laughs> Um, I don't know if they got their free bottle of beer. I'm not sure how, how early it got there. But what a what a wonderful wonderful thing, and it must have been great to see. You know, the, the, the stadium absolutely packed to the brim. Yeah. And yeah, I just thought, I, I thought it was brilliant, really did. That's how it should be. And like you said, once you first go to Orion, that's it. It's yeah. blood. It, and you, you have to see a good back. game as well. It, it helps add to that. And you want to go back. Whereas typically when we've done these um, uh, drives in the past, we've got loads of new people in and then we end up playing badly and losing 1-0 mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. And people think, well, I'm not going back to watch that nonsense again. So... But we're in a different era now and it's very, very different. different and they've yeah. seen a good game of football as it turned out. Uh, yes, yeah, so despite the scoreline it was still and a really good game of football. Football's football isn't it? No matter what level you're at you, you love the club and you have your heroes. Mm. You know, I said that I'm, as a Leeds fan I've been lucky I've watched us beat Barcelona. I've also seen us beat Norwich in League One 
and the Norwich win meant more to me. It was a Beckford scruffy goal off the shoe, <laughs> and I cheered it more than Bowyer's goal against AC Milan. It, and football's football. Yeah, you get the passion for the win. You get the passion for your heroes, didn't you? And so I think it's it's important that that people get down to clubs like Orient and and days like that. Uh, you know how many how many lifelong affairs with, with Leighton Orient. Yeah. Began last Saturday. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Later in the evening, the club confirmed that Josh Caroma has had to withdraw from the upcoming England Sea game uh, on Wednesday, which is last Wednesday as you'll be listening to this. Uh, unfortunately, due to injury, so hoping to see Josh back in the Orient colours uh, very, very soon. Yeah, so moving on into Tahue Tuesday, the 9th of October, and behind closed doors, Franny took place against National League rivals Barnet, and the O's team lined up as follows with Sergeant in goal at the back, Ling, Ogi. Um, Happy and Shabani, midfielder Lawless, oh no, sorry, Elikobi, midfielder Lawless, Lumeka, Shabani, uh, Brophy, Harold, and Clayden. Yeah, because they're done in numerical order and not in position order. Sorry, that's how I copied that across. Right. Yeah, the O's made a great start, though, <laughs> as Matt Harold made it 1-0 in the fourth minute as he tapped in from Claydon's low cross on the left. And in the 16th minute, it was 2-0 as Shadrach Oji played through Levi Lumeka, who drilled the ball into the net. And the match uh, was to end 3-0 as Lumeka got his second of the game from 25 yards out to complete the score. And I actually think uh, Shadrach Oji's um, pass was actually a, an over-the-top uh, lob, and I think that was actually a pretty good goal. Oh, awesome! From what I read, awesome for me. Good run out for you know a very strong second team. Justin spoke a lot about strength and depth, and that second team could most of those could start for us. Yeah, any yeah. league game, I wouldn't be concerned. You yeah, yeah, yeah. It stood out to me. Obviously, <clears throat> I see the see the result come through. Um, I was indoors doing a few bits with the play, and I see the three 0 win against a good team, and that it says for me it says a few things. Firstly. The, the, the harmony's there because these players are happy they, they understand they're not in the first team and they're happy to still give effort and also it shows A, you've got the ability and the strength and depth and B, them players they want to get in that first 11 don't they? they want to get in the match day squad and you're going to need that over a long season and a physical it's a physical yeah. league isn't it? Yeah. so I think you're in an absolutely brilliant position um, obviously the, the first team squad's fantastic and you've got you've got good options in reserves yeah. as well so, yeah. banking down the door yeah, it down the door. So yeah, George got fifty-five minutes. Good to see. Yeah, uh, Brophy got seventy minutes coming back from injury. So two players coming back from injury, really good to see. And Levi Lemeka, who we signed on loan from Palace about a month ago, and can't even get on the bench. Scores two goals, so claims a, a stake at least at the subs bench. So. Yeah, I like that one. At least Good. someone from Palace is scoring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dad, if you're listening as a Palace fan. <laughs> so the club announced that three youngsters had gone out on work experience loans. Hector Kiprianu joins Bishop Stortford, whilst Arnold Haxiu and Jaden Phillips both join Seven Oaks Town. So yeah. good luck to to you boys who are going out on loan. Yeah, always good to see young O's get out, get some get first team football against men. Back, it's up. different to play your own age group as it is. If you sure want to step into the first team, you've got to be playing against grown men. It's the gamemanship as well, and it? it's, it's it's when you're playing all people the same age and the same level and the same ability. It's a certain kind of game. But when you play that guy that's a bit older and he knows he probably can't catch you, but he's going to kick you, he's going to make you hard, yeah. he's going to stamp on your toes, he's going to poke you in the eyes. You know? And, and that's, as you said, it's playing a man's game, isn't it? And you need that. And the sooner they learn that, the better, I think. Yeah, it's a bit like welcome to the real world, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Work experience, yeah. But it's getting out there, so great to see. So Wednesday, 10th of October, it was World Mental Health Day. And obviously, it's okay to not be okay. And if you're feeling down, just make sure you talk to someone. 
and ask for help. Absolutely. Martin Ling's experience with depression is well documented and he sat down with the club's media team. That interview is available on the club's website. I know it's been spoken about um, in the media in the past, but well worth reading that again. Um, and as we say, it's okay not to be okay. Yeah, the club also announced that Saturday's upcoming match for five against Hartlepool is officially sold out. <clears throat> An amazing, amazing feat to get a sale in the National League, mm-hmm. size of our ground as well, against Hartlepool United, who... It's It's not a glamour tie, really. It's not a glamour tie by any stretch of anyone's imagination, but to have all the available seats in the home end of the ground to be sold, whether they're season ticket holders or spare seats that have been sold, um, yeah, mind blown, really. I also love the the, the, the tweets about if you've got a season ticket but you can't make it, make sure someone's got there. They really wanted to get the atmosphere. And that's, again, it's it's, it's, it's brilliant. I'm gutted I couldn't have been there for that. Because I bet it was just absolutely buzzing. Yeah. yeah. So well done to everyone at the club there. Great initiative. Um, so whoever came up with that idea. Um, Marvin Ekpiteta made his England C debut for his, uh, versus Estonia at the home of football. Uh, that's Leighton Orient for those hey. that are questioning that. <laughs> uh, as England won 1-0 uh, following a penalty from Alfie Pavey, which Harry Maguire's brother won. So okay. England centre-back Harry Maguire, his brother, plays for Chesterfield as a left-sided centre-back. Okay. And he won the penalty. Thanks to the non-league paper for that, <laughs> for that, uh, for that heads up there. Um, he won that in the second half, so a clean sheet for Big Marv on his England debut. And from Orient fans that I read were there, he acquitted himself really well. Yes. Didn't have, wasn't troubled too much. No, Paul Fairclough, the English team manager, gave him a very um, glowing reference after the game. You can't get a better international no. debut than a playing at your own ground, b clean <coughs> sheet if you're a centre back. So yeah, fantastic work, well done again to Big Marv on Thursday. 11th of October and the international call-ups uh, keep going as Dal Gorman's Northern Ireland under-21s were in action away to Iceland in a must-win game to keep their hopes alive of qualifying for the Euros and it was nil nil in the 89th minute but in the 90th minute they got a corner scrambled the ball home and got a 1-0 win snatch and grab so they're still in it so well down to Dal and the Northern Ireland boys I think they're yeah. playing even today maybe in the last game of their group which they have to win again to get into the playoffs to qualify so good luck to Dal um, although he might have played it so. and he doesn't so listen so yeah it's cool but the <laughs> sentiment's there um, so moving on then to Mooney Friday that's the 12th of October a quiet day at the club as the O-Nuts were delivered uh, as the club prepared for the visit of Hartlepool yeah and in the evening the club put out a video of outtakes of the usual pre-match interview with Justin Edinburgh Ross Embleton and Danny Webb as Elanti ensued in the boat room as Danny in particular couldn't stop himself from laughing so it's a four and a half minute video of three men essentially trying to do a standard interview and they can't because one of them keeps laughing <laughs> something <laughs> happened before they went in there and Danny, Danny Webb couldn't hold it um, but there is really there's something really funny watching someone else laughing or when they can't hold it in I don't know what it is about that it's like when someone yawns you yawn it's like when you see someone laughing you can't help but start smiling and yeah. then as it goes on then you start laughing yeah. uh, very infectious and very very worthwhile watching that's on YouTube uh, for anyone that would like to see that yeah my favourite part of that is when they're trying to interview Justin and Justin's talking and you see Danny Webb just with his head down like that and he obviously can't look at the camera and then you can start seeing him shake and they all lose it so yeah like Paul said a really good watch um, really well funny. done to Courtney um, for doing that as well who <laughs> isn't as composed as what you might think apparently yeah, so absolutely so moving on in to Saturday the 13th of October 
and a happy birthday to club photographer Simon O'Connor. Good spot there, I didn't say that one. Yeah, thank you very much. 47. Oh. Doesn't look a day over 30 though, does he? Not a day over 46, I'd say. Oh, well, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, at 10 o'clock, uh, Saturday morning, Kent Teague hosted a breakfast at the Lion and Key Hotel, which was open to everyone um, and looked to be another success with Kent meeting lots of those fans over bacon sandwiches and coffee. Yeah, we were saying before we started recording that to get a chairman, obviously we're quite used to Kent being so out there and social, but I guess as a bigger club supporter at Leeds United, I guess that really happens where a chairman's like, oh, come meet me for breakfast, we'll I hang out. I, I couldn't believe, when I read it, oh, well, I could believe it, because I, I know obviously what, what Kent's like, but I, yeah, how many chairmen put themselves out there? And it, it wasn't a money thing, it wasn't pay this to meet the chairman, or, you know, it, 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 it wasn't, it was literally... He, he, I think he likes to know what the fans are thinking. He, he likes does, to, 100%. And, and, you know, as much as it is clever in terms of the brand and the club, and it, it does create good, 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 um, good relationships, it's also a really brave thing to do. And uh, I guess it's refreshing after um, the, the situation yeah, from yeah. The, the last guy whose name we shall not speak. No, it's not allowed to. I was just about to cut you off. I was just about to press that red button that we never heard yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are banned. Yeah, but just it's just brilliant, and and you, you can see that when you're down at the club. Yeah. You know, obviously as as an outsider, whenever you go down, you just get a feeling for it, and it's just different this year. Well, since 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 he, yeah. you know, since they took over, it's funny actually. I was talking to another um, Orient fan who's at Time <coughs> FM, and uh, I was talking to his wife about going to do an interview, and, and she said she went. When they took over and he could see the way the club was going, he went, he didn't stop smiling. He went, he was actually happier that time than he was on the day of our wedding. And I, is that the guy that, won, that was in The Apprentice? Do you know what? I, I, I can't remember his name. Oh, from, right, from yeah, the time yeah. Yeah, yeah, it just, yeah, and it just, right. it just, I just thought it was an absolute yeah. spot on comment yeah. of, you know, he was happy on his wedding day. But, he was but he's happier now, yeah. you know. Just <laughs> yeah. don't tell his wife. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Oh, by the way, I read somewhere, I can't remember where, that a certain translator turned goalkeeping coach was at Lady Orient. There on, was, yeah. There was a photo of him. There was a photo of him. Yeah, it's on Twitter. Oh, the audacity. Okay, yeah, anyway, absolutely. the youth the youth <laughs> the youth team. Uh, the under eighteens and the under under sixteens were in action against Barnet with the under eighteens sadly losing five two with a team with a few players missing. Uh, key players uh, were out due to injury, unfortunately, and they were on loan spells at other clubs. But the under-16s ran out 3-0 winners, yeah. so congratulations to them and commiserations to the team that lost. Yeah, so time to go for the main event in yesterday, which was Hartlepool United at home, and the team lined up with Dean Brewer and goal, the back four of Miles Jard, Marvin Equiteta, Josh Corson uh, and Joe Willowson, and in midfield, James Dayton, Joby McEnough and uh, Craig Clay in the middle, James Brophy on the left and up top, Macaulay Bond and James Allaby. And on the bench, Sam Sargent, Sam Ling, Alex Lawless, Josh Caroma and Matt Harold. Yeah, James Brophy came into the starting lineup in place of Charlie Lee, who's being rested, and Alex Lawless was on the bench due to Dale Gorman being on international duty. Josh Caroma recovered from uh, his injury to be named on the substitutes bench as well. Yeah, for me, I expected that. I expected um, Alibi to keep his place after scoring last week over Caroma, who's just coming back from injury. Um, Brophy for Lee, uh, interesting. Obviously, Brophy goes on the left, McEnough comes into the middle. Uh, I've never seen a player being rested. I've literally just about to say that. First team player being rested, not yeah. even on the bench with only one game a week. 
Um, but that just goes to show you the strength and depth that Justin has at the moment where he can drop. Charlie Lee has been very good this season, completely yeah. out of the squad. James Brophy comes in, who's been sensational as well. Yeah. And we kind of go, okay, that's cool. Fans don't go overreact. Yeah. I just go, okay, yeah. let's do it. Yeah. Your views on the team? So, Char- so just to give a bit of background on that, Charlie Lee uh, signed for us last, last year uh, when Nigel and Kent took over but broke his, uh, done his uh, ligaments in September, I think it was. He only played about six games for us last season and he was out for the whole of the rest of the season. So we're really only seeing the real Charlie Lee sort of come into Almost to like now. a new signing, isn't really? it? Really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It really is. Uh, my thoughts, yeah, surprised about Charlie as well being rested, but maybe there's just some precautionary thing there so he doesn't get uh, injured again. Maybe there's an element of that to it. I think we'll see probably Joby moved into the centre to accommodate uh, Brophy, uh, who's obviously more effective and natural on the wing. Surprised Lawless, who's a natural replacement for Charlie Lee, didn't get the nod ahead, though. Well, you, you, could argue, you, you could argue that for as his strongest midfield. All about opinions, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Brilliant. Again, yeah. it shows you the strength and depth that we have. So the match kicked off as it was second versus six in a very busy and packed Bray Group Stadium as Football for a Fiver looked to be a great success, as well as including a free drink for the first 1,500 people in the ground and as well as the return of the mighty O-Nut. Looked very, very tasty, I must yeah. say. So Nigel Travis is obviously the owner. His connection is Dunkin' Brands, Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. So they made a special Orient donut called the O-Nut. Nice. That they were selling. Nice. Oh, yeah. yeah. They did it last year. They sold out pretty quick. And I five thousand yesterday. Did they sell out? I can't. I, don't I would have thought it. so. I haven't seen it. But yeah. See, sold out stadium, free beer, donuts, and I couldn't make it. I'm gutted. Yeah. <laughs> well, in the first ten minutes, there wasn't much to talk about, so he didn't really miss too much in the first ten minutes. But Nico Muir, uh, Hartlepool uh, player, uh, had the first shot on goal in the ninth minute, but that flew over the bar. Yeah, thirteenth minute, good pass and move from the O's. James Day since he's an opening from thirty yards, uh, goes for it well over the bar. Twentieth minute, something similar again. Season opening, goes for it. Again, over the bar. So Hartlepool stripping us with a defence. Yeah, very deep, quite a tight game. Having to go for long-range efforts. Yeah, so fast forward to the 27th minute. We moved the ball well um, and we got it out wide to James Dayton. He then cuts inside, almost picked out Brophy, but Hartlepool managed to deal with it and clear it. Yeah, 36 minutes. Uh, Kioso for Hartlepool makes a mistake, which allows James Brophy to race through. He cuts the ball back from McCauley Bond. Very unselfishly, Bond sets the ball up for Craig Clay, who has an effort which he curls over from 20 yards. Yeah, we're seeing a bit of a different side to Macca's game here because last season I think he would have probably been more selfish and either kept the ball or shot or at least tried some sort of an effort. But now we're seeing a, a guy that scored 25 goals last season now looking to bring others in. And Craig Clay has really um, sort of come on this season, in my opinion, as well. And he's putting himself on the edge of the box to, to, to be available to then curl something in from 20-25 yards out so really interesting to see um, how that's developed as well then in the and then in the 40th minute James Dayton had another effort that took a deflection went wide for a corner which sadly came to nothing yeah and one minute of injury time was played and the first half ends nil-nil so it sounds like we had the better kind of the ball not much coming from Hartlepool uh, we just couldn't find a way in a kid Sampson tweeted us at half time with a good summary of the first half who says decent quality first half of football without much in the way of goal mouth action but Hartlepool have kept a good shape however we had a lot of possession and I feel we've put a fair bit into the legs of the away side and hopefully they'll blow up after 60 minutes like Barnet. so thank you there for your tweet yep attendance was announced at 6,877 with 500 and 94 away fans. So the only League One, only League One sides, Barnsley, 
Coventry and Oxford United had higher attendance than us in English football. Yeah, well today. done. That's amazing. What That's a, a great League One calendar and a four League, League Two, two calendar yeah. as well. So. Yeah. 6,877. All right, that's two. You'd argue that there's 2,300 and something short of thingy, but then you're only bringing down 594 Hartlepool fans that can hold 1,600 odd in that little section there. So there's most of that number gone, and then obviously fans that couldn't turn up with their season tickets. Yeah, I imagine the club are overwhelmed with um, the attendance from yesterday. Uh, So busy that the East End broke. Uh, essentially, it literally (laughs) broke. (laughs) There was rows of it broke and had to be evacuated into the West End because um, it was too busy uh, wow. anyway we digress wow. so the second half kicked off wow. with no substitutions for the O's and in the 50th minute Miles Judd got a book in for a late foul on Mark Kitching and this is where I guess the fouls start to take place and become the highlight of the match yeah and just going back to the East End we are, when Kent was last on we had a load of questions coming because we invite um, questions from fellow fans as well and um we were asking, and I think the most popular question that anybody asks, Kent, is like what's happening with the redevelopment of the East Stand. So, I don't know whether they're just going to do a bit of a Blue Peter or whether it's going to be a full-scale shutdown yeah. and, and whatnot. But anyway, 56 minutes on the clock in this game. Then the turning point of the game is Joe Widdison miscontrolled the ball with the first heavy touch. Both he and Michael Woods went for the ball with both feet. And, um, yeah... Both go down hurt. The Hartlepool players are furious and there's lots of pictures on social media uh, of the Hartlepool players surrounding the referee and Joe Widdison was shown a straight red card. James Dayton was given a yellow for protesting as was Carl Magne uh, of Hartlepool. So um, a lot of people, 50% saying yeah it was, 50% saying no it wasn't. Uh, Again, like football being a matter of opinions, there's always going to be six of one and half a dozen of the other. Some will argue... It wasn't dangerous, it was tough, strong challenge. Others were saying, well, actually, he wasn't really in control because of the, the angle of his foot and studs were up. And I didn't see it because I didn't go. But You've summed up well there. Uh, it's one of those, if it's against your player, it's a red. If it's your player, it's a yellow. Uh, it's I a can... beauty in football, isn't it? It's, of course it is. You know, if, what, 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 what colours your shirt as opposed to what colour the card is. Isn't yeah, it? You know, if, if, you, if you're wearing a red shirt that day, then it was a yellow card. And if, you, yeah, if, yeah. You're, if you're an away fan, it was, it was probably a red. Red, yeah. I, I don't think it was malicious. I don't think that's the, the player's nature. No, it, it definitely wasn't malicious. I think it was just badly, poorly timed in yeah. wanting to get the ball back. But like I say, you can see why the ref gifts it. In real time, it looks like a bad challenge, to yeah. be fair. I and think, at the speed they're both going. Yeah, I think that's the thing you've got to consider as well. We always, Especially as TV fans now, we, you know, yes. we always assume that the ref sees it in slow, in slow motion. motion yeah. Or he watches yeah. it back three or four times. Yeah, it's, it's, it, I think it's just, you know... The nature of it, you, you see that in when 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 you're playing football, you see a talent challenge. You think that's a red, and then you see someone sidelines sort of shake their head. And, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's it's perspective. It's where they are on the pitch, and also it's the reactions. And I've got to say, poor form from the Artie Paul players for doing that. Yeah, um, I, I thought there was rules outlawing that sort of behaviour where you only had the team captain that was allowed. Yeah, but they never enforce it. It's no, so that's I don't, it's inconsistency, isn't it? And it's so it really winds me up. Because if, what's the point in having a rule there? It should instantly be a yellow card for anyone that does it. And it often happens, like you said, if a few of the, the um, Orient players were booked. But yet none of the, the Hartlepool players seem to be booked for... It's an infringement. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, and, and either take the law away or do something about it. It's so yeah. frustrating. Yeah, really it'd be interesting to see. If, I think Justin hinted that he might appeal it. Yeah. On Monday. Yeah. It's interesting to see how the club, whether they do or not, react to it. But if, if you, you lose the appeal... 
you get a further one game mm. better. It's whether he feels that it's worth the risk of losing Joe for another game. I think I, I think I already said he he would be highly surprised if it isn't rescinded. Mm. So he obviously whether he's that you know obviously has to manage your job to say that. Yeah. But um. Yeah. But then it goes back to your point earlier, uh, Michael and Steve, what you said as well about having strength and depth, that if it was not rescinded and we lost Joe for one or two games, that Sam Ling will come in and, and Miles Judd yeah, will yeah, be yeah. in those natural... All right, they're both right-footed and not left like Joe, but, but they can both we've still got... If needs be. We've got solid to, to, to yeah. come in. Yeah, and absolutely. it's what a great position to be in, because yeah. yeah. everyone needs that, doesn't they? Yeah, and then it's Joe's job to fight his way back in if yeah. Sam... Does really really well yeah. in his position, and that, yeah, that's what you want. And you want that uh, that automatic. Hang on, if I get out of the team, I'm not sure I'm going to get back in. in. Absolutely, it's like big George Adekobi got injured early on. Marvin Ekpateta mm-hmm. comes in, and it's like George has got to fight his way. He's not a given yeah. right that you're going to get that shirt back because Marvin's done that absolutely amazingly. But yeah. and when they do get that shirt back, it means that little bit more, oh, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, you know, yeah, it's absolutely. Like, you can it see does. That in it really form. does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So 62nd minute. Joby McEnough had a free kick following the foul on James Allaby, <coughs> which was headed across goal by Pateta, but Hartlepool cleared the ball. Yeah, tweet from George Sessions uh, in the 65th minute. Noise from the crowd is incredible right now. If they keep it up, it will continue to inspire this O's team, who will have to play 30-plus minutes with 10 men. Yes, Great tweet. Yeah, brilliant tweet. Well summed up there, George. 67th minute, Joby has another free kick, about 25 yards out, which is close, but just wide. Yeah, in the 70th minute, a good chance for the O's as Craig Clay won the ball, got it to McCauley Bond, who put James Alabi through at a tight angle inside the area, and he has a shot from close range that Loach saved with his feet. I thought that was a good effort, that. I thought the keeper does quite well. I think I saw Alibi get... Alibi seems to be dividing fans really strongly. Some really like him, some absolutely despise him. I think he's done right so far. I thought he'd done everything right there, actually, to be fair to him. Keeper just stood up well and got his legs to it. And to be fair, he's a good keeper, isn't he? You know, yeah, like, yeah. A bit, bit of pedigree about him. Yes. So, you know, That's true as well. You, when a good keeper makes a good save, there's only so much you can question the striker, isn't it? You know, yeah, so. he was named, actually, in the Man League's paper team of the day. Their keeper, was it? Well, there you go. I looked at it this morning as well. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Um, but but I think also just going back to Alabi, I think that because he he had a year out of sorts, he played out on the wing at, at Dover last season, and it didn't really work out for him at Tranmere. He's probably lacking in that that sharpness that we will see. And he's getting into good positions. He's getting the chances. He's just not putting them away. And that's frustrating as a home fan to to not see your striker scoring goals, especially in a game where one goal will unlock the three points for, for either side. Yeah. But I think... You know, some players it will just come that and it will just they'll just hit the ground running. Others need a bit more time to bed in. He's not been first choice this season. You know, it's it's been Bon and Caroma, but who knows? But he's getting in the positions. He's getting yeah. in the positions. He's do. getting the chances. Yeah, he's just not putting he's, them so back in the net. He's not hiding. And how, how many times you're at a match of the day? They always say, as long as they're getting the chances, Score. we don't worry. It's yeah, when yeah. they stop yeah. showing themselves. And they, I think it says a lot about the, the team spirit as well. You said about the other guy starting to take a few more long shots and putting himself up there. I think you know the manager's done such a good job with the team spirit where. He, Players are going to have a pop from 20 yards because they know if they miss, they aren't going to get berated. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, yeah. in last year, you know, the, the fella kept scoring all the goals. It says a lot that he's willing to pass. There's yes. a real good, uh, from, an, from the outside, there just seems to be a real good feeling amongst the squad. And that's going to. That's, Huge togetherness. You know, Huge and, and, togetherness. And that's what you need. So you're going to need your strikers. And they ain't always going to be on form, but they've got to know that they can 
they've got the, the, the backing of the, of the of the players behind yeah, them. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. 70 second minute and probably the best chance of the game is James Brophy uh, ran across the area gets tackled come, ball comes out to Craig Clay nice little pass from Clay puts it right back in the path of Brophy very close range only the keeper to beat a big goal to be fair to him side foots it side foots it wide at the keeper's near post but maybe the far post might have been a better option or Peter Lacey's through it might have been a better option um, so for me probably a game changing moment I'm yeah. probably going to criti- um, uh, be a bit contradictory here but must be more clinical at these points and the difference on being in being top of the league or not but then it goes back to what you just said earlier about Loach having pedigree and Loach would have trained for that and, and, and read that situation perfectly as far as Hartlepool were concerned and he forced the player to do that and the player our, our man missed it I think he maybe had too much time sometimes you expect yeah, that you yeah. can have the time to think I think he, he had quite a bit of time. Instinct. Not not much time, but a bit more than what you would expect. You'd expect Brophy mm. with Brophy's form to put it to put it in. Yeah. But I think sometimes a keeper's reputation can you, you know, if you think he's a good keeper, you're gonna try and do that little bit more to beat him. And that's yeah. when it goes wide as opposed to going in. So Yeah. Let's have a lose Yeah, absolutely. Seventy three minutes, uh, double substitution for Leighton Orient as Sam Ling came on for Miles Judd and Josh Caroma came on for James Brophysios, went 3-4-2. Really going for three points here. I've got really to say, pushing. I was really pleasantly surprised by that. Normally, when a Ballsy. defender gets sent off, you mm-hmm. take a forward off and whack a defender on Justin. Kept it as it was. Went, OK, we'll play 3-4-2. Against a good team. Against a good team, mm-hmm. just knowing that he'd rather have three points. That's like we're not so. bust that, isn't it, really? Because if that goes wrong... Then you're castigated for like, why did you do that? Why did you make that decision? Why did you why did you not go safe and secure a point rather yeah. than losing? Yeah, uh, well played there, Justin. <laughs> yeah, 70, ballsy. Seventy six minute, the O's go close again. It's Josh Colson flicks on a free kick, and Marvin Ekpatetta's head was pushed over by Loach again. Decent effort, but Brendan Butterfield keeper just a standard tip over the bar. Yeah, and then in the 80th minute, final sub for the O's as Matt Harrell came on for James Dayton with Justin Edinburgh trying to get his team to find that winner. So at this point, it is worth noting that we now have four strikers on the pitch. He's brought, he's brought, <laughs> with ten he's brought a forward from midfielder yeah. as well. So well done again. We've now to got Justin. four strikers on the pitch. Yeah, so going for the three points. Not Amazing. much action to talk about in the next ten minutes despite some orient pressure and then six minutes of injury time. Added and then the 93rd minute, some super goalkeeping from Dean Brill as uh, Dinanga tries his luck from distance. Brill gets down very well uh, and low to parry. And then this is followed up as Newton has a crack from inside the area. And Brill does well to save again. So Hartlepool been quite quiet but could have nicked it there. So why not to Dean Brill for staying alert? Not much to do over 90 minutes. And the 93rd has to make a, a very important save to make yeah. sure we don't lose the game. But the game wasn't over in the 93rd minute because there were six minutes of additional time. And in that final minute, uh, close for the O's is Josh Caroma dribbled past a couple of defenders but his shot was deflected agonisingly wide for a corner which is then cleared Josh again put pressure on with a good run but the ball was cleared for a throw which came to nothing as a referee blew for full time as the 10 men of Leighton Orient drew 0-0 with Hartlepool yeah so Justin Edinburgh after the game said I'm very proud of the performance and the manner we played we moved the ball well at times against the team who came here to frustrate us I thought it was a better performance compared to how we played against Sutton United and even when we went down to 10 we still looked like we would win the game on Joe's red card he said the decision was completely wrong Joe was in control his feet never left the ground and it was a strong challenge but I don't know where it says in the rules you can't tackle strongly there was no malice no recklessness and he was always in control and I viewed it many many times and slowed it down I would not be in the appeal but if anyone has played the game and is on the panel then it should be 
rescinded, which is what you'd expect the manager to yeah. say. Yeah, right. absolutely. So league table into that draw, CZO slipped to third in the National League. So now a point behind Salford in first place yeah. and a point behind Wrexham, who beat Dagenham to go second. As we have now played 16, won nine, drawn six, only lost to one, 33 points, and still the best goal limits in the division at plus 19. And again, like we said last week, if you would have offered us third in the National League after 16 games, a point behind the leaders... And lost one game. ...with one defeat, would snap your hand up for yeah. it. Anyone would take that, wouldn't they? Yeah, absolutely. Your views on views yesterday? yesterday yeah. So I wasn't there, but it sounds like we had the better of the match. But if you play with 10 men for more than half an hour and have the better chances, then I think that's a great result, especially against the quality uh, of Hartlepool. Uh, apart from Brule's double save in the end, we didn't really sound like we had any pressure at all from there. Decent point, uh, which could be massive at the end of the season. But we mentioned it, but massive respect to Justin for the positive sums. Mm. Really going for it, wanted the three points. Really great to see. Uh, and additionally, uh, well done to the club for football for a fiver, which sounds like a great success. There's already another one planned for November against Bromley, which I think will, will be an even bigger success. Well done for bringing back the owner, although we didn't taste him this time. Uh, and loads to be proud of today as an Orient fan. And only one point behind the leader. So Salford obviously drew Wrexham one. So no one's really pulled away, just one point and when we have the next league game we could be us sitting at the top of the tree so yeah, happy yeah. I was surprised actually because Salford were playing Braintree and I was looking at that and, and Braintree I think it was Braintree it was Braintree it was Braintree and they were winning like that's you said right up until the 90th minute. minute yeah unbelievable but that's the luck when you're at the top compared to when you're at the bottom yeah you know yeah, that's, they, a, that's a difference they isn't they that's the always the way isn't it absolutely Uh, so yeah I have to say I'm long overdue a moan at something and it's driving me absolutely nuts that I can't find really anything to criticise or or, or moan about the last four years worth of podcasts have always had something to critique but um, anyway uh, about the game lots of people saying it was the best nil-nil draw they've ever seen Uh, going through the match I I agree with you Stephen that we had the better chances and we could have easily uh, and probably should have won that game especially after we went down to 10 men a lot of people saying that we were actually a lot more direct and a lot more creative when we were down to 10 men it's just a shame it took us to go down to 10 men to actually be in that yeah. position so well done to Justin Ross Danny and the players for a thoroughly uh, professional performance and the fact that it was really well publicised the game had sold out filled everyone with a lot of excitement and anticipation the likes that's not been seen for quite a few years now so well done to, to everybody involved with that great promotion by Dream Team to encourage people to get in the ground early and to build an atmosphere and the mighty owner made a return which went down uh, very well another day for the club and us fans another great day for us uh, as a club and fans and shame I couldn't make it to enjoy it uh, with everybody but uh, I'll certainly do my best to be at Bromley yeah so those were our views so your views so these are all tweets that came into at Orient Outlook at Twitter and if we um, don't mention your tweets apologies we absolutely every match received loads so we do what we can and just because we read them doesn't mean we agree with him. So to start off with, at RP Bernstein says a tremendous effort from the ten men. We were still the better side and showed great team spirit, great stuff. Yeah, and along the same sort of lines, Len M4 said every player should be proud of their effort and after the red card. Sorry, every player should be proud of their effort after the red card because I certainly am. Yeah, so pride in the shirt at Jagsy 1979 says with ten men against a good Hartlepool side, I guess a point is decent. Disappointed that we didn't take advantage of results elsewhere and we were the better side. But two points dropped rather than a point gained. Only a point off of mm. the top spot. It's interesting that people see it as two points dropped, even if we had to. Yeah, yeah. but that, that, that says a lot for where the club's at, doesn't it? When you're, when you're playing a good team and you're 10 men and the fans are still saying it's two point drop, that, what a brilliant position to yeah, be in. What yeah, a positive, yeah, yeah. you know, as opposed to, oh, we were really lucky we clawed a point. Oh, 
I'm, I'm delighted, you know, we put on, we brought an extra three defenders, so we had seven at the back, you know, yeah, it's yeah. just a great, um, I think that, that tweet probably speaks volumes for where the club's at and how the club's doing. Yeah, so, yeah very good cool. point, very good point. Alan Bro, uh, sorry, Alan BR4029 <coughs> 2092, that's a nice easy one, sounded a terrific match and we kept hammering away but with no reward, with Salford and Harrogate both drawing, no ground lost, onto the FA Cup next week. That's Samuel LOFC, so it's good have won the game, referees get worse here every week and it's always this ref who gives poor decisions and loses the game. How that free kick was given against Alibi near the end, what was the linesman doing? Like the way Edinburgh tried to win the game. Vince Howard, 73, said, don't think I've seen a better nil-nil and special praise to Edinburgh that had faith in his team to carry on attacking with 10 men. We certainly showed some that non-league football ain't all that bad. Yeah, good point there. At Magic underscore John says, they were awful. Shame they didn't play first half the same. Love the Edinburgh uh, see. They never wanted it and went for the win. Instead, he could have run on Lawless and he could have tried to shut up shot. I still think Alibi needs to do more off the ball and make the runs as once or twice he did. He looked dangerous, but he doesn't do it enough. So like we said, Alibi, sometimes love him, some not so much. He divides, divides the fan base, doesn't he? Alan Reeves too tweeted in and he said, Hartlepool was shocking, surrounding the ref at every opportunity. Got Judd booked and the red card was a terrible decision. Hartlepool played for a point while we had four centre forwards on the pitch with 10 men. Yeah, great tweet there. Sasha J. Wolves has thought the red card was harsh. Coulson's experience saved the clean sheet for us after that. He was my man in the match. Ekpatessa was also good. Shame we couldn't find the net. With better finishing, we could have won that by four or more. Tourists next to me, full of praise for our stadium and support. And we saw through Twitter there were three German guys who came over just for the match from Nuremberg. There were lots of Raiders fans from the US who were playing at Wembley today. I'm yeah, not too yeah. tight on my NFL, but quite a few came down to watch the match. Is it LA Raiders? Oakland Raiders? No, I don't think it's LA, is it? Is it LA? Yeah, yeah so, I'm not up on my NFL either. Yeah, a few international there. people making uh, the journey yesterday. It's great to see. Perfect. At Wadsy said, so proud of these players. We had them on the rack and did everything but score. Disappointed, we can disappointed, but we can take a lot of heart from this. We made Hartlepool look very ordinary. Would have been a travesty if we'd lost. Yeah, at Chris underscore Convy says, one of the best 10-man performances I've seen. Only criticism would be that if took a sending off for us to really move up a gear. Just didn't quite click for us in the final third today, but a valiant effort. LOFC1971 said, love the balls uh, from Edinburgh, 10 men, but made positive attacking subs to still try to win the game. Yeah, Willow Gaffer, so something we will have to get used to is teams coming to us and having no intention of trying to win the game. We had our chances and can't comment on the sending off, although not many complaints from the O's players. They were truly awful. One of the worst teams I've seen at Brisbane Road. Yeah, Marcus Maynard said a mixed bag, but probably more positives than negatives. Didn't give up after going down to 10 men and another poor ref, but we also didn't hit the target nearly often enough and movement off the ball was limited throughout. Karoma looked bright, Marvel superb and Alibi less so. Yeah, El Cuadro, it was his 400-mile round trip for a nil-nil, but joking aside, I thought we played quite well today and edged it. My daughter enjoyed herself though and she was already asking when we can go back. She has the Orient bug in her blood, so well done David for taking your young daughter. I hope she enjoyed her first game. I'm great to see that she wants to come back after a nil-nil. There you, there you go. There you go. That's There's your tweet. And that's what Orient's about. It's a proper family club and it's the generation and generation and that's that's what the club will always live with yeah. and that's what that's what makes the club special Absolutely. And, you know any, uh, anyone can support a top top team that are playing champions league and on sky all the time it's it's boring mm-hmm. you know it's 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 about supporting a proper club and being I, involved I, I in it really yeah, yeah. And I, I love that that's actually 
that just know, says yeah. everything that yeah. you uh, yeah. that you were saying earlier, really. Uh, Hartlepool number six was an absolute disgrace, says Big Ads LOFC. How did we not win? Proud of the players, but should have made possession and counter-attacks count. We had enough possession and balls in the box, we just didn't make the balls in the box count. Low and edge of the six-yard box balls instead of... Instead of drilling hard or high, a point is better than nothing, but on to the next league game. Weber underscore 1980 says, Fields like a defeat. We had enough chances to win that game in the second half. Lots of men in the match performances, but Craig Clay was outstanding. Good to see Clay getting plaudits. Yeah. Josh Coulson as well. Obviously, Ipteta's done so well, our other centre-back. Good to see Josh getting plaudits He's barely as well. been mentioned, yeah. uh, bless him. So he goes away and quietly does his business, but Big Marv is the standout. Yeah. No one's um, mentioned Joby yet. I think Joby is supposed to have another good game as well. Daniel underscore D44 said, Tactical masterstroke to get Woodison sent off. The 10 men played amazingly well. We were very lucky not to win and Hartley Paul did nothing. McEnough ran the show. Marvel's class once again. There you go. Yeah, I am. I'm says, Thought we were the better team with 10 men today. Red card was right. Marvin was superb again. Clay and Brophy were well off the pace this week. Last season, we lose that 1 0 in the last minute, so I'll happily take the points. Yeah, and in response to that, LOFC Chaz said, I thought Clay was superb, did so much dirty work and some good box-to-box play. Thought he was one of our best players. Yeah, but underscore Daddy says, it's the best nil-nil I've watched. Should have created more in the final third. But apart from that, every player, and Woodhouse included, were a credit to the club. There's a massive theme here, if you haven't already guessed it. At Daz Hodge said, great intensity from the boys' second half. You'd never have guessed we were down to 10. Atmosphere was excellent. Can't wait for the next hashtag football for a five. Yeah, this is an interesting tweet, this is from a Leicester fan who tweeted us at FoxN16. He says, I'm a neutral Fox here. Uh, red, which is owes no option for the ref, owes a much improved after, which was puzzling and deserved the points. Your centre-back is half decent, so I presume he's talking about Marv. Great atmosphere, frustrating first touches and misplaced passes, but lots of fun. I'll be back, perhaps with Leicester again someday. Very good. Yeah. At Ian, well, yeah, we played them once before in the league when we, we were in League One and mm. Leeds and uh, yeah. there was a few others in, in League One, so you never know. Um, Ian Manny Rennie John tweeted in, he said, the biggest question I've got from today is, when we stick a ball across the face of goal, why does nobody ever gamble on the back post and be there for a tap-in? And there was someone, a manager once, who told a player, was it Coxie? Was it Russell that said to Coxie, stick yourself on the far post every time? Um just on the off chance that a ball might come, so it's a thing that people should pick up on. Yeah, I heard Ian, Ian Wright said the same thing to uh, Sean Wright Phillips. He said, if you make that arcing run and you come from outside to in, it's worth 15 goals a season. Yeah. And yeah, as, as, as footballers go, I'd probably listen to Ian Wright. Yeah, I would as well, <laughs> to be fair. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's, and it's got to be worth... If it's worth five or ten goals, it's yeah. still a decent return, yeah. isn't it? It's yeah. got it's just, yeah... Absolutely. Steve Nugent UK says a decent performance. Showed great spirit when we went down to 10 men. Fair play to Edinburgh for going for the win. Best I've seen Clay play and Coulson was immense. He was my man in the match. We just couldn't find a net. Hopefully the newcomers saw enough to want to come back. Yeah, at LesLK52, he said, fed up talking about refs, but today we also had the assistant on the west side who barely raised his flag the whole game. And when he did, got it completely wrong. I'm talking about Alibi being hauled down on the edge of their area at the end and flagging for a free kick the other way. Yeah, so guest of the pod, Adam, who was guested last week, said the lino on the west side was absolutely terrible. Got lots of abuse at the full-time whistle and the group of fans, maybe including Adam, maybe not had to be uh, <laughs> told to leave the ground. Uh, but no no wow. to at Jack R. Rayner there's a packed house or the never say die attitude don't think it was a red yellow for both would have been fair but the ref was not consistent all game the crowd really got behind the team with 10 men and we could have had three points on to the next 
No one likes a grass, Mr Nussbaum, <laughs> or an electric second home game without a goal. Second home game without any yeah. quality. Yeah, Quite a damning indictment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A record blew up. So it felt like we could have won the game, but a game of 10 men for that distance and to avoid defeat is a plus. Felt we missed Lee in midfield. Also, my mate, who's a Wolves fan, had his first five-pound experience in non-league football and loved it. Said he would be back. These promotions do bring a lot of good to clubs like ours. Again, another example of yeah, someone yeah. Wolves fan. Yeah, King Laurie 7 said the game should have been out of sight by the end of the first half. I don't mind Allaby lacking quality, but he doesn't need to be talented to work harder. The ref wasn't great, but for me, he got the red card right. That's a really interesting tweet. It just doesn't have to be talented to work harder. And what a lot, I'm not suggesting Bond's not got talent, but a lot of what Bond's game, uh, Macaulay Bond's game is, is working hard yeah. and grafting and putting in and running, putting in the effort and running everything down. At some point, someone's going to make a mistake and he's going to be in the right place at the right time too. Fans always respect that, wouldn't they? If you yeah. give your all, you know, you, not everyone can be an amazing, you know, Mac enough, what a gifted, gifted footballer. Not everyone can be that talented, but if you give it, if you give your all, the fans will always right. be on your side. That's yeah, right. I went to a football <coughs> dinner on Monday, and Frank Lampard was the key speaker, and he was talking about his career, and he said his dad just drilled into him, work, 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 and that's what he's doing at Derby. Mm. Uh, and I also met McCauley Bond at this dinner on yes, Monday. Yes, did, yeah. Name Macca are best mates, so Macca, I love you Macca. And the final <laughs> word after all these tweets in is that GForce underscore Shiv, who says a cracking atmosphere and a real show of fight by the boys. Could have given up after the red, but didn't. Strong show of spirit, and I know we'll be back stronger next week. Yeah, so thanks to, again to everybody. There's a, a wealth Lots, of tweets yeah. that, that we've put in and a wealth that we weren't able to, otherwise we'd be here for another two hours. So do you agree or disagree with any of the tweets we've read out? Let us know what you think by tweeting us at Orient Outlook, or if you're not on social media, you can email us. We have uh, an email address that's orientoutlook at Outlook. Com. So prediction league update, uh, so lots of predictions yesterday, well over 100 but only one predicted nil nil mm. correctly, so well done to at underscore below era, who is the only person to correctly predict nil nil, so the top of the prediction league stays as it was, so Pills the Doman is top on 16 points, closely followed by Tony at underscore Antonio on 15 points with Eastside Orient, Mark Shepherd underscore 79 and YT seven LOFC on 14 points, so as always... Thank you for all of your predictions and better luck next week. Yep, so today, Sunday the 14th of October, the ladies team was supposed to be in action against Cambridge, but the match was called off due to a waterlogged pitch. Yep, and this evening an England Legends versus a German Legends match is being played as we speak at the home of football in the Bray Group Stadium for a new ITV series. So players include John Barnes, David Seaman, Robbie Fowler, Mark Wright, Letitia, I'm sure Letitia is 50 today, um, Chris Waddle, Rob Lee, Ray Parler, Lee Sharp, Mark Chamberlain, Paul Merson and Razor Ruddock and managed by Harry Redknapp, which is sure to be more good exposure for the club when that goes out. Yeah, so that's happening as we record now. Yep, so um, let's wrap uh, this little part uh, of the uh, podcast up then. So due to no Premier League action, uh, there was no changes to the fancy football leagues this week. So Tola Sangawawa leads the Orient Outlet podcast fancy football league on 570 sorry, 547 points, and C. Legita leads our Dream Team League on 513 points. I'm doing terribly in both of them, and I've used my... Um, wild card. Wild card, Have you? yeah. Oh, well, you get two, four. don't you? You get two. Yeah, you do. So I've used one now. It's a Dream um, Team. You're on our Dream Team. Me and you are doing all right. I was, I was top four. for a week, I, I feel like you're fifth or sixth. Yeah, I was top Me and you are doing all right. Do you know what it is? I've, the, the Dream Team <laughs> one, I've dropped here. I'm, I'm in FPL, the, the Premier League. Right, one. right. I'm actually flying that one. I think my overall rank out of the 5.7 million players is 2,000. 
Oh wow! wow. And my English rank, um, in, in England, I'm six hundred and thirty-five. I was going to wait to come to hours, but I'm not now. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, so I'm fine now. So I've let the Sun Dream team go a little bit. Oh, but okay. I was top of that for a week. You were, so you were the first couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, fine. And my uncle, you see, he does the other one. And I've got to beat my uncle because he's a Millwall fan. <laughs> so I'm taking that one really serious. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm really pleased with that. Like I said, 5.7 million players and I'm 2,000. Amazing. That's amazing. amazing. I'm happy with that. Yeah, yeah. I would. So yeah, I'll have to, I'll, I'll enter. I'll, 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 I'll give you the code. I'll give you the code. You'll probably go straight in at first. So we'll do positives and negatives and hear the week and then we'll come back to Michael to speak about the greater game. So positives then. Uh, firstly, another clean sheet. So, you know, if you don't concede, you don't lose. Another clean sheet. Second positive, football for a fiver. Great success, great crowd. I've seen it again against Bromley. And thirdly, the owner seems to be more popular than ever. So next time... Yeah, you could probably tag on to that, the free drink as well. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, As well, so great incentives for people to pay a fiver for football, get a donut, a drink and your ticket for... Get an, and a programme and get change out of a tenner yeah, I should yeah. imagine so yep so negatives this week no goal score for the second home game in a row obviously Joe Widdison's red card huge talking point uh, failed to capitalise on Salford unexpectedly drawing and Wrexham winning uh, and leapfrogging us and probably a few people that have called into question the poor standard uh, of officiating uh, in this league and at times it has been dreadfully uh, dreadfully poor yep so here are the week um, we've actually got different heroes of the week so let's have two uh, so I'll go first then so for my hero of the week is Justin Edinburgh for his positive subs uh, with being a man down. So we normally give it to players, but I thought that Justin this week deserves it um, more than anyone. So well done to Big Just, the JE. Yeah, absolutely. For me, I'm going to go behind the scenes and go upstairs to the ballroom for this one. Um, And it was news to me, I I missed this tweet, Um, but it was, um, I'm giving my hero of the week to the brains if you like behind it or the guy that came up with the idea for the uh, football for a five and that's Marshall Taylor because yeah, well he's not had a lot of recognition so Marshall but just. Danny as well obviously did really well in executing that so yeah. don't want to leave anybody out or insult anybody so yeah and the media team for the you know getting the sponsors dream team and the, and the, the, the free beer incentive you know oh we know that don't worry about it yeah but no but that's you know what I mean anyway, that's, uh, Paulie, you know you ain't getting here other week. no I, 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 things, things like that you know it takes a lot there's a lot of there's a lot of Togetherness at that yeah, level yeah. right now, and it's filtering through. So yeah, I think they're just everything's being run so well. When you're going to get your next moaning? Well, I don't it's know terrible, when it's coming. It? I know it's terrible. You can see, you can see Mitchin to get it. I'm out. itching like my nails are like all <laughs> over the place, <laughs> <laughs> biting and waiting to to moan. So Michael, probably the main reason you're here, or main reason you are here, is that the greater game is back. It's coming back to the London stage. So tell us about how it's been brought back and tell us a bit about the new cast yeah well I, like I said I, I, it's, I didn't think the show had a chance of coming back it was something that I just it was amazing it was, a, it was a dream to be able to tell the story it was a dream to be able to speak to the people you know the, the, the people from service the people um, connected to the club the people connected to the players and I just thought it's never going to happen again and uh, yeah so I was sitting down having, having lunch with a director he said he wanted to pick it up. Um, Adam Morley, I've worked with him. He's a multi-award winning director. And as soon as someone like that says they want to want to do your script, you, you, do you jump on it. And then Football Remembers is, it was, you know, it's down to the FA and the Premier League and the EFL and the PFA. Had they not been on board, this wouldn't be happening. Um, so it's, we're immensely grateful to them. And also, ain't it lovely to have these huge names back in back in you know our yeah, club story yeah, and yeah, back absolutely. in sort of football remembers paying their respects and and you know a hundred years on it's still uh, remembering the players and and 
and then the other one is the, obviously the Royal British Legion we're, we're partnered with them and they're doing a nation thank you and I think that's a great way of putting it forward as well you know it's a thank you to these players for what they did um, so yeah it's sort of come about through that obviously Peter Kitchen is is, is, is producer again alongside Steve Jenkins and their co-producers and yeah everything's sort of come about very quickly we've got an amazing cast so um, a different cast from last completely a, new yeah, cast completely different cast from last time um, the only one who's, who's in it again is the fat bloke playing Jumbo <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I, I, I don't know why they keep hiring him uh, <laughs> um, so yeah I, I'm, I'm reprising my role as uh, my role as Herbert Jumbo Reason but we've got Michael Greco in um, playing the manager Billy Holmes. So most people will know Michael Greco as yeah, Beppe. Uh, yeah, Beppe. Yeah. Um, he's again passionate Chelsea fan, knows his stuff, a great actor, wonderful person. And you know, you, you watch someone on TV for years, and all of a sudden they're performing your script, mm. and, and you know it's, it's brilliant. It really is. Um, James Phelps, who's known to the to the Harry Potter world as Fred Weasley, um, he's playing McFadden. So again, it's nice that we've got a real stellar name in playing Richard McFadden. Obviously, he was he was a hero, yeah. and yeah. just yeah. an immensely talented footballer. So that that's great. Um, playing opposite um, him in, in William Jones's role is a guy called Steve Bush, who's just finished a show at the National Theatre, which again shows his pedigree. Um, we've got award-nominated actors Tom Stocks and Jack Harding. Um, Jack, who's a, a really good mate of mine, we trained at the Miskin together. He's been in. Three of my other productions, he got great reviews for me last show, um, Worth a Flutter. Um, we've got award-winning actors, Scott Carl, who's playing George Scott, um, who's known, known, done quite a few films, but also for Outlander. And um, another award-winning actor, Paul Marlon, um, who's playing Peggy. Um, Paul, again, he's a, he's a great mate of mine from, from college, so it's nice to be out of people that you, you've known. Because uh, I was saying earlier, football has got so many links with theatre and it's about the, the, the dressing room spirit and we need that and the fact that so many of us are friends and get on well um, we got great connections to football as well um, Victoria Gibson and Helen Doughty are, are the plan the two to the, uh, Mrs McFadden and Mrs Jonas obviously Victoria's father's known as Steve Gibson as the chairman of, of Borough oh, okay. yeah, yeah. and Helena's father um, is the ex-chairman of Nottingham Forest so okay. it's nice that you know we've got this real strong connection with football, and everyone that's involved knows their stuff. They really, you know, they they're passionate about football. They they get it. There's nothing worse than when you see people go, oh, "It's only a game." I dealt with the World Cup. I said, "Only a game." No, it ain't just a game. <laughs> oh, why you got the ump Leeds have lost? Because my world's just ended. Okay, so until we win next week, or you know, I've got about the raving up. It's you know, so they they get that and they get what it's about and they get the connection. Um, I'm trying. I don't. I'm trying to think if I haven't missed any cast off. If I have, I do apologise. But yeah, we, we start tomorrow. Um, we're rehearsing at the stadium, so not a bad place to be for the next. Okay, no, yeah, yeah, oh, wow. yeah. Um, the support from everyone. Danny Macklin, um, as you said, Kent's coming to see the yeah. show. Um, Elliot Byrne. Yeah, media guy. Yeah. They have all been brilliant. And uh, yeah, when when we asked if it might be possible to rehearse at the stadium, and they said yes, it was just it's brilliant. Because um, as well for the outsiders, you know, I want I want the rest of the cast that haven't seen it to go to the supporters club it? to see to, to to see. That's what got me. I sat with Steve on that that game against Sheffield Wednesday, 
saw the, the, the supporters club, saw what it meant, took, went to see the memorial garden, saw the plaque in the main office that yeah, yeah. was issued by the war office mentioning the players that, that you know gave their lives. And you do fall in love with the club and you get a feel for it and you realise what it means. Yeah. So that's fantastic. And yeah, we start tomorrow. Um, we've only got 10 days, so it's a lot to do wow. in a short space of time. Uh, then we, we open at the Walter Lewis Theatre on the 30th of October through to the 25th of November. We've got a special show on Remembrance Sunday, which I think has sold out, or there might be about five tickets left. A few of the earlier shows have sold out. Um, Amazing. We're getting a lot of uh, media attention, which is lovely. Um, people like London Tonight, uh, Love Radio. Uh, Good. And it, again, it's what the story deserves. It's what the club deserves. It's what the, the, what the players that, 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 that gave their lives deserve. And that's the main thing. It's nice to A, be able to honour them and tell this story. B, let everyone know about Leighton Orient and, and, and the club's history, you know, second oldest club in London. It, 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 it does, for, like myself, a passionate football fan, yeah, no. I, I, sadly I didn't yeah. know anything about Orient, you know. And, and, so it's nice that it's, it's, it, we're able to get the word out there and, and that so many people are taking notice. So, yeah, absolutely delighted. So you're also saying that new cast, but also a new slant on the show yeah well. I mean the first show was brilliant and obviously we got a standing ovation every night the feedback was great and um, some of the reviews were, were, were overly harsh but you have to take them on board and I think the first show was told very much in the moment and almost trying to create a film sort of thing which is it's impossible to do when you're telling 42 people stories over effectively three years yeah. and trying to create the battle song is impossible so this time we're very aware it'll probably be the last show, last time this story gets told. Um, we're hopefully trying to get a football stadiums tour next year. So we'll be going to Edinburgh, Manchester, uh, okay. Cardiff, um, Leeds, Newcastle, places like that. Hopefully. But it's an outside chance. So we want to do this as a story. And it's very, it's storytelling in its nature. So it's told through the eyes of an Orient um, fan who's a pub landlord. And it's telling the player's story and sort of a, uh, looking back, um, which means we're able to tell the story, I think, a little bit better. Um, we're able to go into different elements, better, get get maybe a bit more of the comedy there as well. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's just exciting. And again, it's just wonderful to be able to tell this story one more time. And, uh, you know, the support from, the, from, the, from everyone has been fantastic. And we just hope, you know, as many, many people, especially Orient fans, can come down and see it. How do you go about... Um, so it runs from the 30th of October until the... Until the 25th of November. And how do you book tickets? Is it direct from Waterloo yeah, East? Yeah, Waterloo East. So you, it's www.waterlooeast.co.uk is the website. Um, it's allocated seating, so, you know, best of booking early. Like I said, a few of the shows, I think we've had... I think four or five shows have already nearly sold out, which, again, for Fringe Theatre, the, yeah. um, the average Fringe show, they reckon, sells 11 seats a night. Wow. This is a hundred seat, and we've already sold shows out. Um, which again, I think it says a lot about the story. Absolutely, the same says a lot about the profile of the cast, and also how, how much the O's fans are enjoying it. I think with the first run, a lot of people, football and theatre, don't really mix, do they? You get a lot of football fans. I ain't seen the play, and then all of a sudden, when people started to watch it, and it was the word of mouth that spread, mm. and that's why the first show we performed to maybe thirty people a week. Then then. Fans were going, 
telling their people and all it's sudden it was know, amazing yeah by the end we had we was packed with Orient and that's what and, and, and the amount of the feedback as well if one fella come to me Orient fan he might I don't want to go to the theatre, but that was uh, that was a lot. I know I only come to me. My wife dragged me because she likes Nick Hancock, and was, <laughs> but I'll tell you what, that was brilliant. I'll probably come to the theatre again, and it just made me, you know, it just made me chuckle yeah. that. And and what, there was a tweet on a, a fan forum. Oh, the play's probably going to be no good. Of course, it ain't. It's Orient. Nothing we do is any good. Which said probably says a bit about where the club was at the time, but again, it, we won the fans over. So hopefully, yeah. that feeling will come through this time and, and you know it'd be nice to get it is, it is your story it's your fan story I do think it'll be the last time we get a chance to tell it so I hope that um, it'll be enjoyed by as many Orient fans as possible so we were lucky enough to go and see it first time yeah it was outstanding it was amazing Nick Hancock yeah. was excellent all of us were excellent I think the story were, yeah. the story was told really well it was done tastefully it was done gracefully and it was funny which you didn't think you would get from the show with story. that theme I, yeah. yeah I think that's important I've always said uh, firstly I'm a comedy writer and also, I've always said, if you want to make people cry, you've got to make them laugh first. A bit like Fools and Horses, yeah, isn't yeah. it? That's what makes you get upset with some of the moments, is it's so funny. And that's what I said to Steve I wanted to do. So to hear the laughter was brilliant. So one last plugged in. From the 30th of October to the 25th of November, you can book tickets by going on www.waterlooeast.co.uk and book your tickets. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed the first time. I had no expectations of what I was going to see other than this story being told. So anything that happened to me was, was fantastic and I can't wait to, to come and see it. And we will uh, extol the virtues of that play once we've seen it on this very podcast. Absolutely, absolutely. So moving on Thank to you. next week's fixture. So just one fixture coming up for the O's this week as we visit Maidstone United on Saturday the 20th of October in the fourth qualifying round of the FA Cup. So Maidstone... Currently having a terrible time in the National League. They're 20 if they lost 2-0 to file yesterday. We've already played them uh, this season. We played them away uh, in the National League and we beat them 2-1. So, good to see. Hopefully, another 2-1 win will be just as nice. If you're going, have a safe journey. Why not send us a pick uh, on your way there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, additionally, on Wednesday the 17th of October, the under-18s are in action in the FA Youth Cup against Darren Purse. That's ex-Orient defender yeah. Darren Purse's AFC Russell and Diamonds with the winners facing Southend in the first round. Yeah, we mentioned at the beginning so good luck. of the podcast, we mentioned at the end, Big Nige, the big T-Dog, the T-Meister, his book's out, The Challenge Culture. Buy it from Amazon.co.uk. Uh, by now it's a good read we've had Danny McLong who's read it so it's great we've had Kent Teague's read it so it's great we've had tweets from people who read it need to get my so copy it's great actually. we need to get our copies Nige I presume they're in the post <laughs> yeah I, che- I check my mailbox <laughs> every day actually nothing uh, so that's it thank you very much indeed for joining us for episode 156 it's been another very very busy week at the club with lots of activity including the first England Sea international game which saw our very own Marvin Ekpeteta make his international debut on the pitch we've managed to to get a very creditable point at home to Hartlepool, even with 10 men in front of a bumper crowd who flocked into the Brea Group Stadium for a football for a fiver and an owner following more great work from the club. Yep, so we'll be back with episode 157 next week with all the information and views that you could ever need. So if you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe and give our podcast a review. We did get one last week, so on 36 reviews now. We get a lot more than 36 listeners on iTunes. So if you're listening on iTunes now, stop it. Go reviews, five stars, comment back. This is the last few minutes. If it's on SoundCloud, just tune in to Stitcher, add us to your favourites, and that way you'll have all the podcasts available as soon as they are uploaded. And if you have an older relative or a loved one who you think will like the podcast, grab their phones, grab them, download it for them on any device that you can, and make sure they get listening. 
to the newest podcast. Yeah, so a slightly longer podcast this week. Um, it's We're at 75 minutes at the moment. Michael, thank you very much indeed for coming on. It's great to have you on and great to hear about the you know you getting the Orient story out or, or largely speaking what happened 100 years ago uh, out to everybody. So thank you very much. Uh, thank uh, you for, for having me again. Best way to play from the 13th of October once again. To the 25th of November. Absolutely. At Going to the East Theatre. Yeah, we've got a few mugs left. Michael's got one taken home with him. Proud Anna. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> we've still got some. If you want one, uh, please get in touch. Christmas is coming up, stocking fillers and all of that, but they are limited. Once they're gone, they are gone. So like Paul said, it's been a bumper podcast. Thank you for listening. Again, thank you to Michael. We look forward to hearing from you. And as always, keep calm. Have a great week and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Up the O's. Say goodbye to my sweetheart Mary Jane. And good luck to the Orient lads I'll never see again. And no sooner had he gone, he was cut down on the sun. Scott fell in this hell, a Mac was brought down.